0: Welcome to the Wanderlearn Podcast. I'm your host, Frantz Tapon. First of all, this episode will have a bit of swearing in it because, well, sometimes I just feel like swearing. Because I think it adds emphasis and adds a bit of punctuation. It's like an exclamation point, if you will. I think swearing can be useful to make some sort of emphatic statement. I'm going to be reading an article I just wrote. I think that this year we'll see a cumulative death toll of less than 10 million. That's one of my predictions for 2022. First of all, I want to say something about vaccine skeptics. I think it's very important that we respect them. And I think a lot of people don't. And I think that's wrong. It's vaccine skeptics that help keep vaccine proponents honest. It's vaccine skeptics that force vaccine defenders to provide strong justifications as to why we need to get a jab or wear a mask or whatever. So it's important to communicate with vaccine skeptics with respect and not derision. And a lot of people don't do that. I hope this podcast does that. And by the way, if you think there's skepticism in the high income world, (laughs) you should check out the rest of the world. It is even lower. I was in Senegal and Gambia, very high hesitancy. And now I'm in Mauritania, even lower. And by the way, that's a thing that sometimes I tell people it's like, you know, look at the people who are actually taking the vaccines. Are they educated or not? And and usually the most educated people, people with PhDs and doctorates and masters, they are taking the vaccine and those who who are the lowest levels of education do not take it or at least more likely to not take it. So I think sometimes that could be a clue to somebody who is researching the topic and say, hmm, what are all the quote unquote smart people doing? Now, of course, smart people do get things wrong. And that's what a skeptic, especially a highly educated skeptic, you know, there are doctors who are not in favor of the vaccine. That are saying, yes, maybe a bunch of educated people are taking it, but that doesn't mean that they're right. Okay. Got that. Now, the other thing that I want to mention is about fear. Now, I think that a lot of people are afraid of something. (laughs) In my case, I'm not afraid of either the vaccine or the coronavirus itself. And most people fear one of them or even both of them. And that fear pushes people to take a very strong position I don't take a strong position because, frankly, I don't give a fuck what people do since COVID is no big deal unless you're old and or you're fat. So let's answer these three questions. Number one, what is the percentage chance that you think that you'll get COVID? Assuming you have not gotten COVID yet, do you think there's a 10% chance, 50-50, 90% chance? The second question is, Now, assuming you did get COVID, what is the percentage chance that you think you will get extremely sick, as in hospitalized, or that you will actually die? So imagine that you got COVID. Are you in the hospital? Are you six feet underground? And finally, the third question is, what is the percentage chance that you will get extremely sick, as in hospitalized, or that you'll die from getting one of the COVID vaccines? If you get injected, you think it's a 5% chance, 50% chance, 80% chance? What is it? Okay. Here are my answers for those three questions. For the first one is what is the percentage chance that I'm going to get COVID? Although I have not gotten infected with COVID yet that I know of, at least because of course some people are asymptomatic, but assuming I have not gotten it, I would say there's about an 80% chance that I will get it. That's because it's endemic almost everywhere. And if it isn't endemic, it's going to be this year, almost everywhere. So I just think it's a matter of time that eventually my luck is going to run out and I'm going to get the coronavirus. (laughs) Regarding the second question, I would say that there's a 1% chance that if you get COVID, you'll get extremely sick or die. And that's going to be much higher if you're old and or you're fat. So it might be 5 10%, maybe even 20% if you're old or fat or both. If you're thin and young, then it's going to be a lot lower than 1%, a whole lot lower. But I would say ballpark average, it's going to be still under 1%. And third question is, what is the percentage chance that you'll get extremely sick and die from getting the COVID vaccine? Now, there I would say (laughs) it's about 10x to 1,000x less likely than the second question. So let's just say if the second question is answering its 1% chance, well, then it's a 0.1% chance or a 0.001% chance. So very, very, very unlikely to get sick from the COVID vaccine. Those are my answers, but what about you? I took the vaccine because I figured that the odds that I would get hospitalized or die due to COVID was probably one in a thousand. I mean, pretty unlikely I'm going to die from COVID just because I'm, well, a bit old, but I'm definitely not fat. I've got that going for me. Meanwhile, the odds of me getting seriously fucked up from the vaccine are probably at worst, one in 10,000. So, Listen clearly what I'm saying. I'm not saying that nobody gets screwed up from the vaccine. As Sam Harris once said, if the solution to the coronavirus vaccine was peanut butter, just eat peanut butter and then you'll be cured or you'll be invincible, you would still get thousands and thousands of people dying from (laughs) peanut butter poisoning because a lot of people are allergic from peanut butter. No matter what vaccine you invent, somebody's going to have a toxic reaction to it because we're just all different creatures. (laughs) If my estimates are reasonable, then to me the answer is clear because neither poses a grave risk. Frankly, I do a lot of things that are a lot riskier than that. All the mountain climbing I do and all the crazy stuff I do in the mountains, I'm far more likely to die there. So I don't need to lose sleep over either the vaccines or the coronavirus. Of the two highly unlikely events, getting fucked up from the vaccine is even less likely than the virus destroying me and that's the key thing that somehow i think is missed in the conversation is that both of these things for a lot of the population out there is highly unlikely it's highly unlikely that you'll die from covid and it's highly unlikely that you'll die or really get screwed up from the vaccines the question then becomes is which one is the least likely of the two things So what do the anti-vaxxers say? Well, of course, anti-vaccine folks will probably flip my estimates. Some of them flip them to a comical level. For example, I had a friend of mine who told me that if she took the vaccine, there was an 80% chance that she would be hospitalized, which is fucking hilarious. I'd advise you to research this whole issue, but the problem is that the Internet, well, you can find any seemingly quote-unquote reliable source for almost anything you can imagine. I can quote-unquote prove that the moon landings didn't happen i can prove that the world is flat and i can prove that broccoli is bad for you so that's the challenge you can tell people do your own research well (laughs) unfortunately with the internet that can lead to bad outcomes then the question is is when should you question the majority i mean i love mark twain's famous line he said whenever you find yourself on the side of the majority it is time to pause and reflect. Now, I realize that most people who don't take the vaccine, is probably because they don't trust the standard news sources. And they also don't trust over 90% of the doctors and the medical experts out there. And I think a lot of them are motivated by Mark Twain's line. However, at some point, you might want to pause and reflect more carefully if you're in the minority. Why not be skeptical about whether murder, stealing, or Hitler are bad? The evil mainstream media, the powerful politicians, and the fat cat corporations are unanimously pushing the narrative that murder, stealing, and Hitler are horrible. Have you ever noticed that? Shouldn't that make you a bit suspicious? Isn't it obvious why these powerful politicians, fat cat corporations, and media is all pushing this narrative about those things being bad? Well, I'll tell you why in case it's not obvious to you. Number one, they're against murder because they want to keep the population high so that more people are competing for jobs and that brings wages down. Second, those entities are against stealing because the prison and justice system makes fat profits from all those thieves and powerful people don't want to cut into their ill-gotten gains. And why are they against Hitler? I'll tell you why. It's because all those powerful entities are run by Jews, and they don't want to have another populace to get elected. That's why. The point of my ludicrous and comical arguments is simply so that you can understand that you can always take a contrarian viewpoint. You can always invent a conspiracy theory. And believe it or not, the majority is usually right about most things. And that's why we have trial by jury. That's why we vote. Because usually the majority... Has some brains in them. There's something called the wisdom of the crowds. I link to it in the article where I'm, which I'm reading here. <laughs> Finally, I'll address the one issue which is why should anyone care whether others take the vaccine? You know, a lot of people say, well, like, hey, why are you so pushing this thing on me? Okay, go ahead, get your vaccine. Shut up. Just let me be and not not ask me to take the vaccine. The libertarian in me doesn't give a fuck if someone doesn't want to take the vaccine, just like I don't give a fuck if somebody doesn't want to wear seatbelt. The only problem I have is when the taxpayers have to pay for the hospitalization costs of those who don't wear seatbelts. Unfortunately, it's too draconian to put a law that says, no seatbelt, then the government will not cover your car accident costs. Imagine that. You got into a car accident, you roll up into the hospital, and they say, were you wearing a seatbelt? No, I was not. Okay, well, too bad. You you want to pay in cash or uh, swipe your credit card or... Oh, no, I don't have enough money. Oh, that's too bad. I guess we'll just have to turn you away. You know, but next, but the next patient comes in. Did you, were you wearing a seatbelt? Yeah, I was wearing a seatbelt. Okay. And you still got screwed up? Yeah, I did. I got broken bones and all that stuff. Do you have insurance? No. Okay. It's okay. We'll treat you anyway, because at least you did what you could, which is wear a seatbelt. So the same analogy works for vaccines. What about the long-term effects of the vaccines? Well, the skeptic fears that the long-term side effects of the vaccines. But those same skeptics have several vaccines in their bodies. Most of us have taken vaccines for typhoid, tetanus, rubella, measles, mumps, hepatitis A and B, and polio. And if you've traveled to the tropics, you've probably had the yellow fever vaccine. If vaccines are going to have nasty side effects, they always show those nasty side effects hours, days, or weeks after the shot. They don't show up five years after you've gotten your shot. On the contrary, vaccines get weaker with time, which is why we usually need booster shots. But then people say, Well what about the mRNA vaccines? They're new technology. Well, if you're worried about the dreaded new technology of mRNA, then you can do what I did, which is take the Johnson & Johnson one-shot vaccine. Or you can go take the Chinese or Russian vaccines, which are based on traditional vaccine development methods. If those vaccines haven't had significant side effects after being out for over a year and they've gone through over 100 million shots, well, then they're not going to have suddenly side effects five years later. Every year, by the way, vaccines from typhoid, tetanus, rubella, measles, mumps, hepatitis A, B, yellow fever, polio, send people to the hospital due to horrible side effects. However, those are exceedingly rare events, which is why they don't get reported that much in the media, because it's so rare. Now, think about it. If 1 in 100,000 people who get a vaccine get hospitalized due to that vaccine, and if everybody in the world gets that vaccine, well, that means that there's 80,000 cases worldwide of people going to the hospital. Imagine that. 80,000 potential news stories. <laughs> that's like dozens of news stories every single day talking about people falling gravely ill due to a vaccine. Now, imagine if it kills one in a million people. Well, that's 8,000 deaths from vaccines. That sounds horrible, right? 8,000 deaths, that's lots of people every day dying from vaccines. So it sounds terrible, right? But not necessarily. You have to compare that one in a million odds with the odds of you dying from the coronavirus. Is that more or less than one out of a million? And folks, I'll help you with the math there. The chances of you dying from the coronavirus are greater than one in a million. It's maybe one in 100,000 or maybe one in 10,000 or maybe one in a thousand. For some people who are fat and old, it could be one in 10. That's why vaccines make sense for a whole lot of people. Anyway, I hope this helps. If you think it does, share this post with anybody who you think might be open-minded or who is on the fence, if such a creature still exists. This is France Tapon encouraging you to wander and learn. And that ends this episode of the Wander Learn podcast, where we explore travel, technology, and transformation. If you'd like to see the show notes with links to what we've talked about, go to wanderlearn.com and click on this episode. If you'd like to connect with me, just remember F Tapon. That's my first initial and my last name. Ftapon is always my social media username. My website is ftapon.com. Do you want to leave me an anonymous voicemail where you can make a comment or ask a question? Then go to speakpipe.com slash ftapon. Furthermore, if you'd like to get rewarded for supporting my projects, then go to patreon.com slash ftapon. That's where you can pick up some remarkable rewards for as little as $2 a month. Now, five quick favors. Number one, subscribe to the WanderLearn podcast. Two, download it. Three, share it. Four, review it. And five, sign up for my newsletter at wanderlearn.com. Our theme music was composed by Eric Stratman. This is Francis Tapon, encouraging you to wander and learn.